There is a trade-off to having an open stance serve, which is that it's going to be probably more consistent because there's less things that can go wrong. You're just facing directly forward and you're hitting the serve, but it's also less, it's less, I think it's easier to hit more power uh, or impart more power on the ball if you are starting from your right foot back and then transferring your weight forward as you hit the serve. So for me, when I hit an open stance serve, I can still hit the ball pretty hard and I've got to turn my shoulders more if I'm open stance, but if I'm shifting my weight forward in a closed stance serve, which is the way that I serve, then I think it's easier to hit the ball harder because you have more momentum going forward to your target. Okay, so we are back with another episode of my podcast. Uh, I don't even know which episode we're on. It's probably 50 something at this point. And we're just going to get right into it. We're going to firstly quickly go over my tournament this past weekend so i got to the the finals made championship sunday again in mixed doubles with anna so that is four out of five of our last tournaments we've made championship sunday and the only problem is we haven't won uh the actual tournament yet um i mean we we have a couple of golds together but not in that span i think the last the last gold that anna and i have together is like maybe May of, of 2023. So that's got to change because we want to win. And obviously it's tough because Ben and Anna Lee are so good, but I think it's, you know, I just have to play better uh, on Sunday because Anna played great and I just did not bring my best stuff on Sunday, but it is what it is. And in men's doubles, Matt and I got to the quarterfinals. Um, we had a couple of good wins or at least one and we played against Jao Mei um, and CJ Klinger in the second round. And I was impressed with Jao Mei. I think he is a guy who's going to keep getting better. He's a great mover. Um, his hands are already a little better than I thought they would be. And I think he's a guy who could maybe be a, a sleeper for the fourth round of Premier um, whenever the MLP draft happens, which is something that nobody knows if it's, if it's even going to happen at all. But I was really impressed with Jaume. And then in the quarters, we lost to Tyson and Deckel in three games. We had a lead in the third game, and we, we kind of gave it up. And they're both playing well. I mean, Tyson and Deckel are a really tough team because they can play on either side. So Tyson's really good on the left and the right, and I think the same applies for Deckel. Um, they kept Deckel on the left this weekend, and they got to the final. And they played really well all weekend. I mean, they're both cranking the serve, cranking the drive. It's a really aggressive, fun way to play pickleball. And people are complaining a little, saying that maybe, you know, some of the paddles are a little too powerful and that pickleball shouldn't be played with huge serves, huge drives, and that's really not the spirit of the game. But ultimately, you play with what you have, and right now the paddles are very powerful. And if you can take advantage of of the rules as they're given to you, which is, something all players should do. You shouldn't stop yourself from playing your best. Then I think you should do it. So I'm not complaining. I think they just outplayed us and they um, they just played really well. So um, that's it for my own pickleball. Now we're going to get into some stuff that I wanted to talk about in relation to your pickleball. So the first thing that I noticed at my last clinic, and for those who don't know, my goal is to teach 52 clinics this year, and I think I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm on pace to teach, I think, more than 52. Um, I'm just kind of loving to teach. I'm falling in love with it. I'm having a ton of fun doing it, and I want to try to 
spread the game the right way because one of the issues with pickleball is there is not a lot of great coaches and that is not to say that all of the current coaches are bad because that's not the case at all but i think it's such a new sport and so many people have actually been playing pickleball for less than two years less than three years that the coaching is kind of lacking i think there's a lot more players that are qualified than there are coaches and i think a lot of the best coaches are actually playing on the PPA tour and playing on the APP tour, and they don't really have as much time to be coaching. And I've encountered a lot of coaches that picked up a paddle less than a year ago. And maybe they're great people and great coaches in some capacity, but it's just tough to be a, a really good coach in a sport that you've been playing for less than a year. And I don't really know if that's a radical statement by me. And I hate to bring current coaches down, but that is a tough thing to do, to coach at a high level of something you've been playing for less than a year. So I like to coach, and I'm trying to teach 52 clinics or more because I think that I know the game. And in a sport like pickleball, where there's not a lot of people that really know how to coach and really know the game, I think it's valuable. And I think I'm doing something that is important and it feels rewarding. So for my clinics, uh, one of the things that I noticed in my most recent clinic was and this was one in Boca, had a great time with it. Uh, there are a lot of people who are taught or who have been taught to when they're hitting a fourth off of a drive to just block it back. And that is the case sometimes if the drive is really good or if it's dipping really well and it's low over the net, I can understand blocking that one back. But all drives should not be blocked back. Not all drives are created equally. Some drives are pretty high and, and just flat out bad. And you need to be punishing drives that are not good. And you should also be aware of when they're above your shoulder, you should probably let them go. But you should not just be blocking back every drive that comes to you because that is letting the driver, the person hitting the third off the hook. And if I know that if every drive I hit to you, you're just gonna block it back, I'll drive every third because it'll make my fifth easier than any third I could have ever dreamed of hitting, if that makes sense. So. What I would try to teach people is you need to get up to the kitchen line as quickly as you possibly can off the return. Okay. There are a lot of people who just sort of waltz their way into the kitchen line. They get there a little too late. And then by the time they're making contact with the ball, they're three or four feet behind the kitchen line. And if that's something you're struggling with, even though you're getting to the kitchen line as quickly as you possibly can, then you need to be putting more air on the return hitting a loftier return to give yourself some time. Because I've said many times, the return is a very important shot. You wanna hit it hard, you wanna hit it deep. But if you're hitting it hard and deep while sacrificing your ability to get to the kitchen line and actually be on that kitchen line by the time you're hitting that fourth, then it's not worth it. Because the most important part about any fourth is actually being at the kitchen line. The kitchen line is very precious real estate. And if I'm hitting thirds to somebody who's three or four feet off the kitchen line by the time they make contact with the ball, I am loving life. It makes it so much easier for me because the most difficult part about the third is dropping it into the kitchen or getting it low, hitting a low dipping drive so that the time that they make contact with their fourth, it's at their knees or lower. That's the goal. And that's something that's difficult. But what makes it significantly less difficult if my opponent is three or four feet behind the kitchen line? So I think that the, you know, this is so, sort of twofold. I think you need to be getting to the kitchen line after the return. You need to be getting up there quickly. If you watch the pros, we run up there. We're, we're almost at a full sprint 
to get to the Kishin line after we hit a return. And then when we're up there, if somebody drives the ball at us, we're not just thinking block. We're not just pushing it back in because forts are something that, you know, there's a risk reward trade-off with every single shot. And we've seen how that's changed with the serve in the past two years. Everyone just pushed the serve in for the most part two or three years ago. And they were taught, don't miss a serve ever. Well, now things are changing and people are hitting their serves because there is a risk reward trade-off with every shot. And the harder you hit the serve and the more you go for on the serve, it's going to make your thirds a lot easier and you're probably going to get some missed returns. And that same risk reward trade-off applies to the fourth. So I could push in every fourth and never miss a fourth, but then every fifth that they hit is going to be really easy. They're going to get to the kitchen almost every single time. And I'm basically relinquishing the advantage that I have as the returner because the returner does have an advantage in the sport. And I think that the moment at which that advantage, that discrepancy is its biggest is when that player is either hitting a, you know, when the serving player is hitting a third and the returning player is hitting a fourth, because at that time I'm at the kitchen and you're all the way back. And as we go lower and lower in level to a three, five or three Oh, that, you know, the fact that I'm at the kitchen and you're back, is more and more of an advantage because it is tougher for players as you go down a level to actually get up to the kitchen. So I'm hitting my fourths as hard as I can comfortably hit them while still making the vast, vast majority of my fourths, but I'm definitely not blocking back every single fourth. So if it's a drive that's great, block it back or do what you can to keep it low. But if it's a bad drive, a drive around this area, hit it hard. The point of fourths and sixth is to keep your opponent back and take advantage of the advantage that you have. So no more inviting people in with easy blocked fourths, because that's something that I noticed a lot, especially at my last clinic. So what's next? How to hit the serve hard with the new serve rule. So there's actually different approaches to this. Um, ben and Colin Johns have been looking to do, or I know Ben's been doing it, he's been doing an open stance serve. So that means your feet are totally open toward the net, your feet are parallel to the baseline or parallel to the net. And so Ben and Colin are hitting open stance serves. So their feet are totally parallel to the baseline, parallel to the net, and just facing forward. And there is a trade-off to having an open stance serve, which is that it's going to be probably more consistent because there's less things that can go wrong. You're just facing directly forward and you're hitting the serve, but it's also less, it's less, I think it's easier to hit more power uh, or impart more power on the ball. If you are starting from your right foot back and then transferring your weight forward as you hit the serve. So for me, when I hit an open stance serve, I can still hit the ball pretty hard and I've got to turn my shoulders more if I'm open stance, but if I'm shifting my weight forward, in a closed stance serve, which is the way that I serve, then I think it's easier to hit the ball harder because you have more mo momentum going forward to your target. So I think it goes um, sort of, it depends on what you prefer. So if you're somebody that really wants to just focus on consistency, which isn't necessarily what I recommend, I'm somebody that teaches that you should miss maybe one out of 10 of your serves deep because hitting the serve hard, and deep is important and it makes your third shot so much easier. If you want to emphasize consistency, then maybe an open stance serve is easier and is probably gonna eliminate that one out of 10 error because there's really very little that can go wrong. 
but I think you are going to sacrifice power with an open stance serve. So the players that hit the serve the hardest, which I think would be me and Deckel Barr, we're both starting with a big weight transfer. So you can go on YouTube and watch me serve or watch Deckel serve. We're starting back on our back foot. So for us, that would be our right foot. And then we make contact with the ball and then finish inside the baseline. So our right foot starts behind our left foot and then finishes in front of our left foot. Because for those of us who are not entirely clear on this, you can, after making contact with the ball, finish inside the court. So you can put your foot inside the court after you make contact. So I think that's a, I think there's a reason that Deckel and I both serve like that. I think getting that much weight going forward is always going to be more powerful than the strength that you can generate with just your arm. So if you go out there and just try to arm serves with an open stance, uh, it's going to be, you'll maybe be able to hit it hard, but I don't think you'll be able to hit it at your full potential of, of hitting the ball hard. But with the new serve rule, you have to release the ball from your waist height and then drop it. So there can't be any upward motion, any toss, completely drop it. And the PPA is allowing for like an inch or so, maybe an inch and a half of margin for error because people's hands will naturally go up a little. So if you're about to serve and you are trying to obey this new serve rule and your hand goes up half an inch or an inch, just know that that's okay. The PPA is allowing a little bit of margin for error there. But you know, you're trying to just drop it directly down. And when you drop it directly down, you're going to be making contact with the ball probably six inches below your waist, unless you're making contact with it almost right out of your hand. But I wouldn't recommend that. So if you're making contact with the ball six inches below your waist, I think your best bet is to use a good weight transfer to get a lot of weight moving forward. Because like I said, the momentum of your entire body moving toward a target is always going to be stronger than just using your arm and trying to muscle the ball. So I would start with my foot, my right foot back a few feet behind the baseline and then make contact. And I'll do a video of this on Instagram, but we'll try to basically finish with our right foot two or three feet inside the baseline, almost like you're falling into the serve, if that makes sense. And I think that's the best way to get power because if you're releasing the ball from a pretty low position, you're going to need your to use your body to get power and actually hit that serve ball. So that would be the main thing there. Um, but we're going to have to cover that. We're going to have to do a, a demonstration on my Instagram, which is James Ignatowicz on Instagram. Give me a follow. Just uh, got to plug my own Instagram one more time. I'm not going to not going to plug it again. And my last question is they want me to talk about the Vulcan ball. Um, so there's been a lot of a lot of hate toward the Vulcan ball. Some people have complained. A lot of people have complained, saying that it's too wobbly. It gets misshapen after a few shots. And I think it does. I think it does lose its shape more quickly than the Dura does. And I'm pretty sure that's a consensus. But I think that there are some positives to the Vulcan Bowl. And I'll just be the guy that, that gives the one positive, because if you go online, everybody's, it's all negative about the Vulcan Bowl. And I don't disagree with a lot of the negatives. I don't want to be the, don't quote me as like the champion of the Vulcan Bowl, because I'm not a guy that is in love with the Vulcan Bowl. But the Vulcan Bowl is slower through the air uh, than the Dura Bowl, which I think is very important in the time of all these super powerful paddles being created because the Dura is very fast and the Vulcan is faster than a Franklin, but it is slower through the air than the Dura. And that's important 
because if we're not going to be able to sort of nerf these paddles and make these paddles a little bit less powerful, then the second best option is to make the ball softer. Because I've been saying it, these, the ball is moving too quickly, the paddles are too powerful, it's a safety risk, and it's not just a safety risk for the pros, it's a safety risk for everyone. I think even more of a safety risk for people who are not pros. So I like that the ball is a little softer and that it's a little slower. So that's going to be my one positive um, as it relates to the Vulcan ball, because it is just, I've said it before and I'll say it again, one of those two things needs to slow down. So the paddle technology needs to slow down or the ball itself needs to slow down. Because if we're not familiar with what happened with racquetball, racquetball used to be a lot more popular than it is right now. And then the technology got so good that the game became less fun. And I think everything is changing in pickleball. People are trying to make better paddles and better paddles and, and all these you know new advancements in, in equipment, whatever the case may be. And I think it presents a pretty big risk to actually changing the foundation of what got pickleball here, which is that as it already stood in, in 2022, as it was a year and a half ago, it was an awesome game. And the game that I fell in love with, which was pickleball as it was in 2021, 2022, is changing. And I think that the last thing we want to do is take something that is the fastest growing sport in the world. I think, at least in the United States, it is, in my opinion, the best sport. And then see how amazing it is. See how it's changing so much. Everyone's loving it. Or so, sorry, see how it's growing so much. And then we change it. And then we change the paddles and, and change all these different things. I think we should keep it how it is for at least a few years. Because we don't want to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what people say. And I think that that definitely applies to pickleball. So. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for watching and uh, I'll see you next week.